0: 1st Corinthians chapter 3 and so brothers and sisters I cannot speak to you as spiritual people but rather as people of the flesh as infants in Christ I fed you with milk not solid food for you were not ready for solid food even now you are still not ready for you are still of the flesh For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For for when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as a Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, But God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of God for the people of God. So Paul introduces a new image or a new metaphor in this particular part of this first letter to the Corinthians. Infants in Christ, he calls them. These followers he's brought to Christ, he calls them infants. And he says, therefore, I had to feed you milk, not solid food, because you were not ready. Verse 2, he says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food anyone who's been around a baby gets what Paul's talking about immediately two months ago yesterday my first grandson was born my oldest daughter and her husband brought a new baby boy into the world he's so tiny yet he's growing fast he's thriving on mother's milk no solid food for him not at this point but as everyone knows, there will come a time when mother's milk is not enough and it's time for solid food. Timing and readiness are important. That's the image Paul is using about these Christians in Corinth. He says, you are infants in Christ. You're just getting started. I introduced you to this whole idea that God was at work in this Jesus of Nazareth, making him Christ crucified. You're just beginning Your journey, he is saying, and I started you on what was appropriate for you. And it was milk because you were infants in Christ. He extends that idea to say, that may be why my teaching is different than Apollos or Cephas or someone else. Maybe it's because I knew you could only handle mother's milk. Maybe others are trying to feed you different kinds of food. But it raises for any and all of us the question of where we are in our growth in Christ. Where are we in our journey in faith? What do you need to grow in Christ at this point? It's not the same all through our lives, Paul is saying. We begin as infants, but then we grow in faith. In fact, that's the assumption behind what Paul's talking about here growth in faith or growth in christ is the expectation the expectation is that we're all growing throughout our lives in our faith and in christ that we're maturing that we're willing to dig deeper to go further to eat solid food to use paul's metaphor he is saying we're not complete in faith just by Calling Jesus Lord or Savior or having a salvation moment, that there's way more beyond that that God wants for us. Are you growing in faith? Are you on a spiritual journey? Have you gone beyond just infancy in Christ? Paul is saying there's more ahead, there's more blessings for you if you're able to grow in your faith. Listen to how he talks to these corinthians after he talks about the milk and the solid food he kind of presses the point and says even now you are still not ready for solid food for you're still of the flesh for as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations We need to notice a nuance here that it's not conflict itself that Paul is criticizing it is conflict but it's conflict based on jealousy and envy Paul throughout his ministry often is involved in conflict clearly he's not against conflict per se but he doesn't like this idea that within the church people are fighting with each other because they're jealous or envious of someone else in the church or a different teacher Paul says that's not what it's all about early in my ministry I was assigned to a particular church and I had as part of my responsibility counseling I was doing a lot of counseling and of course when people come in for counseling there's often conflict I learned a phrase that said where there is contact there will be friction where there is contact there will be friction you can feel it when you rub your hands together they warm up sometimes it gets hot that happens in relationships too and sparks fly and conflict breaks out I don't do so much counseling now I still do some premarital counseling I always try to help couples Think of this ahead of time because when you're falling in love you're kind of seeing everything through rose-colored glasses you think it's always going to be that way I remind them where there's contact there will be friction and sometimes there will be conflict that's not the time to decide you married the wrong person that's the time to learn how to deal with conflict constructively because where there's contact there will be friction And conflict can break out. It doesn't just happen in marriages. It happens in families. It happens in social situations. It can happen with neighbors. It can happen at work. Conflict can break out anywhere. So we're probably not going to avoid it. So once we understand that, the question becomes, how do we deal constructively with conflict? i'm not looking for conflict but i know it's going to arise from time to time whether in my personal relationships or family or in the church it's going to happen so the question is how will i respond i hope i respond with love and grace and generosity of spirit and humility i hope i lead with compassion and care and kindness i hope even in the midst of conflict i will work to keep relationships intact and dignity upheld we even talk about it in our core values when we talk about that we want to be a congregation that nurtures each of us to be ambassadors of reconciliation we know that we're not all going to agree on everything all the time so when that happens how are we going to respond i hope we respond with love and grace or paul says here there's an alternative he says there's a better way there's a better way than jealousy and arguing over who's the best teacher or who's right or what's the most important doctrine to talk about paul says the better way is to think of yourself as a servant to think of yourself As a servant, he mentions it two times in these nine verses we read. First there in verse 5 when he says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe. And then he circles back around to that in verse 9 and declares, For we are God's servants working together. Paul's saying it's not so much the teacher or the doctrine, but the attitude of service. And he's saying all of us should think of ourselves as servants of Christ. Humble servants. That is a core idea in the gospel as to our identity You find it throughout the Gospels. Perhaps the best illustration of it comes in the Gospel of John when Jesus is with the disciples on the last night in earthly existence for him. You probably remember this as part of the Last Supper. John tells us in the 13th chapter that Jesus gets up from the table and takes off his outer garments and dons the dress of a slave. And then goes around and washes the dusty feet of the disciples despite them objecting. But when he finishes, John says that Jesus says to them, Do you know what I have done to you? And before they can answer, he says, For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master." nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The Gospels tell us, as they remember Jesus' life and teaching, that the way of service is the way of Christ. And it's a way of blessing, not just for those we serve, but for those of us who take on the yoke of servanthood. You may remember if you were here early in January, we used a service from the 1700s that John Wesley, founder of the Methodist movement, used annually with Methodists when he would gather them together. In that covenant service, there's a covenant prayer where we take on this yoke of servanthood, if you will. I want to read you a few lines out of that prayer. It starts like this. It's a prayer. It says, let me be your servant under your command i will no longer be my own i will give up myself to your will in all things lord make me what you will i put myself fully into your hands put me to doing or put me to suffering let me be employed for you or laid aside for you let me be full let me be empty Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and with a willing heart give it all to your pleasure and disposal. It's a prayer of one who desires to be a servant and yet is praying to God to help them make it so in their lives. Asking God to help them. And saying that together, praying that together is a sign of a conversion of the heart, a conversion to the way of Christ, to the way of servanthood. We also tried to capture this when we were articulating our core values, when we said as a community of faith, we strive for excellence in the service of God. We strive for excellence in the service of God. Our scouts are with us today. They have a motto, do a good turn daily. That speaks to service and helping others. They also have a scout oath. I bet these students could say it. I'm going to read it to you. They say, on my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country and to obey the scout law. To help other people at all times. To keep myself physically strong, mentally awake and morally straight. Striving to do the best for God and country is what Paul's talking about in this passage today. Being willing to help others, looking for ways to serve is what Paul is talking about throughout this text. And then he says when we're able to Take on that spirit or that yoke of servanthood. It is a blessing to us. But then we also see God at work in our lives. He said, oh, Apollos and I and Cephas and others have done our part. We planted, we watered, we did our part, but God gave the growth. Paul's picking up that theme we talked about that he stressed in the last chapter about the Holy Spirit being alive and at work in our lives. Remember, we talked about how he writes to the Romans about God's spirit being in ministry with our spirit. Giving us the assurance that we are a child of God. He's extending that idea here beyond just child of God, but servant of Christ or servant of God. We don't do it all. We play our role. Humble servants. Here I am, Lord, send me. I'm here to serve. I want to do what you want me to do, O God. I'm ready. What is your will? Lead me and guide me so that you might use me and reveal your love to the world even as you did through Christ so often Christians begin to think of this servanthood or willingness to serve as drudgery or obligation as something difficult to do. What if we could see it the way Jesus saw it, as a way of blessing, as a lifestyle of serving, as a way to grow in faith and grow ever more into whom God wants us to be sometimes we have to get out of our everyday routine to be able to grasp the depth of this but i've seen it happen to people at camps and on retreats and on mission trips where the pretense of our everyday life and our ego begins to drift away because we're serving 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 because all day we're thinking about god and worshiping and praying and asking god to lead and we're in that christian community 24 7 and we get to practice what it means to be a servant of christ we get the experience of blessing of helping and serving others of making a difference in somebody else's life and sometimes we get the glimpse of this christian life and of our lives as more than just a race to be run where we beat someone else or a battle to be fought where we come out triumphant Or a ladder to climb until we get to the top. Paul is giving us a different image for what our lives can be as followers of Christ. Humble servants at your service. Here to serve servanthood. As I was reading through this and thinking about it, I thought which way produces more goodwill, produces more giving which way produces more love which way builds up community which is blessing others more the life of a servant seems to be the winner in all of those scenarios the prayer of saint francis is printed in our hymnals on page 481 it speaks to this same spirit i want to read it to you as our closing this morning it captures so much in such a beautiful way in terms of what Paul is talking about in this passage. If you want to follow along, it's 481. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace or make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. That we are born to eternal life. Amen. And thanks be to God.